Welcome back, everybody, to Frenemies. Today, I'm joined by Casper Rauchmann, owner of the agency Sparkforce. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Yes. Hi, Casper. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Julia. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yes. So... Obviously, you have a lot of knowledge within uh, B2B marketing in general, demand generation, demand capture. But actually, today, we want to talk all about ABM. Yes. One of my favorites. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Count-based count marketing for the people who don't know what ABM is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes. So starting a conversation on, I, I think for now we can drop the question of why ABM is even important because uh, I would assume everybody has uh, caught up on that. But for ABM, um, and to start an ABM motion, you obviously need a list of targeted accounts. Yes. So how do you get to this list, the ideal scenario of these are the accounts we want to want to start with? I think uh, before you even get to that, like I think it's always important for me to just take a step back and say, why are we doing ABM? Like, uh, I think even you might understand what ABM is, but there's different types of ABM, account-based marketing. And there is also like different types, but there's also different reasons for doing ABM. So the reason you go into ABM in general is if you have a high lifetime value of a client. And when I talk high, I mean really high. Like, uh, um, usually my go-to is like uh, 500,000 euros it's in lifetime value on a client. Every, everything above that, perfect for ABM. Everything below, it gets a little bit sketchy. Uh, doesn't mean you can't do it if it's two hundred thousand euros. That's still a lot of money. Don't don't get me wrong, but but uh, but you have to have a decent size. And I think the usually you have this like tree or like triangle of, uh, and the higher lifetime value, the more resources you can allocate to it, and the more personalization you allocate to it as well. And I split it into three types of ABM. So I have what I call one to one, which is the top. That's where, like, imagine you're doing ads, Julia, to Carlsberg. You want to land Carlsberg as a client. Well, you make everything personalized just to Carlsberg. Your ads are green. You talk about beer all the time, right? Everything. Then you say, okay, that's one-to-one. -one. But let's say you have one-to-few where it's more like, okay, hey, I want to I wanna close maybe Carlsberg, Tuborg, and Heineken. Those are similar companies. In, there are a lot of similar traits, but they're not the same company. So you can't say, hey, Carlsberg in your ad, but you can say, hey, Brew large brewery company or something similar, right? And you try to personalize it as much as there. And then there's the last one, which is like one too many, where it's more like here you, so the first is one to one, that's you one company. The one is one too few. I like to go up to 50 companies, it's not set in stone, but that's usually my maximum. Everything above a segment, when a segment has more than 50 companies, then that's when I call it one too many. Uh, and here it's more like, that's when you use utilize tools like Sixth Sense and stuff like that, where it's a little more programmatic, where you still try to personalize it as much as you can, but it it's a little bit closer to classic demand gen. Like uh, the, the lines, to be honest, are a little bit blurred in my opinion there, but but that's another topic for another day. So, I think go ahead. Yeah. why I also just asked about the list is because what I've seen in the companies I worked at when ABM Motion started was that there was an understanding uh, globally in like, or over like across departments and in, in, in sales and in marketing of, okay, to hit these big companies, as you just uh, pointed out, and I mean, there's uh, lots of them uh, globally, to hit them, we need to be more personalized um, towards them specifically. But getting started and actually creating that list was a lot of times a bit all over the place. It was rather like making dream scenarios. Oh, we would love to have this mask uh, logo on our customer uh, section. 
rather than maybe going with, you know, so what are the companies that would benefit from our product or, you know, making research okay. and this is what their tech stack looks like. And that's why we would fit very well into that and so on and so on. And that makes sense. And that, that's the proper way to do it, right? Like, so, so one of the ways I've done it, like, so it's just like, so I do this proper ICP mapping. And we do this in general for like almost everything we do at Spartans. I did that before, like also at United Fintech and Templify. So it's not something new, uh, but but it's this whole like I have this big spreadsheet and then it's just map out all like ICP and all these different segments. It's, at the end of the day, it's about segments. And then once you identify the segment, you also can identify, okay, within this segment, what are the ABM possibilities, if it's even possible? And then that ties back to the whole discussion. Do you have enough lifetime value for it to even be in the discussion? Should it even be something you should consider? Let's say you have that and then you say, okay, within this segment, okay, we really want to like, sometimes let's say you, let's say, let's use an example, right? Like uh, at United Fintech, they work with uh, fintechs and big banks and such. They want to sell to big banks. So, so landing, let's say Goldman Sachs as a client was a huge deal, right? Like if they did that, that would like be worth so much. Also because it's strategically typically is worth a lot, not just like monetary, like worth a lot, but also strategically worth a lot to land a client like that. So, so suddenly they're willing to do a lot for it. So within, so when you identify your segments, you also start to identify, okay, within this segment, what are the must win clients? Like, that's a good way to look at it. Just like say, okay, within this segment of large financial banks, what are the must wins? Well, those are Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, et cetera, et cetera, right? Uh, and then once you identify those, then you can start saying a little bit more like, okay, what are the customer needs we can bring to the table and how you can decide the how. So I actually like to, before you design the how and like design like what you can offer them, it's I just like the hardcore TAM mapping, like total addressable market mapping and just like defining the ICPs. That's actually what I do at least. Um, then sometimes I use tools like, um, but I, I, don't, I don't use sophisticated tools for that say. Like we recently at Sparkverse actually bought Cognizant so we can, so we can do these things ourselves because uh, we wanted to move a bit faster. I've used Zoom Info in the past. I've used Clearbit. I've used all these different data providers, and there's a million of them. They like they all do the same thing essentially to one 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 or another. But you need typically you need one. Like you need a good data provider to be able to do ABM. I think that's one of the. Can you do it without it? Yes, but it's a little bit harder. So you need a good data provider. But I don't believe you need other tools than that. So so to get back to your question, so to create that account list, well, once you mapped out the ICP, then you take all this data, you put it into your data provider tool, and then that spits out some sort of list. That's the that's how I do it, at least. Um, but I also combine it sometimes because we have clients that go like, we really just want to win this one. Like, okay, cool. Let's win this one. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if you guys, uh, if it's big enough and like we've done the exercise as well, and it also fits within that, then we don't have to like beat around the bush too much, right? So where does in this kind of probability come in? Because as you said, obviously, like um, the the revenue that can be generated, uh, lifetime value is very high for these strategic accounts. But obviously, the more you invest, there is also a risk if you don't end up winning this customer, then you have uh, quite a high loss for targeting one strategic account, right? That's a good question. And uh, to be honest, it's not something I actually considered that much. Um... Okay be completely transparent and the the reason is why like is that isn't that the case of all things you do uh <laughs> not to play the devil's advocate a little bit here it's like uh isn't there a risk of doing demand gen like hey uh, yeah you might not close any of them yes that's also a risk technically you're spreading out like your risk a bit more because you're not just focused on one so i get that's the point essentially we're trying yeah. to make it right but but 
but yeah, at the end of the day, like it's still a risk, right? Like, uh, like if you're doing going, like if you have the wrong value proposition for the segment, it doesn't really matter. Like all the other stuff typically, right? So, um, so yeah, it, that is a risk and ABM, especially when you go one-to-one, um, when you just target one, that is a high risk, but that's like, you can only do that if you can afford to do that. Like you, you can only do ABM, like ABM is also a very long game. So ABM, you always like, um, I don't think I've had a case where you target lower size ABMs in a while, but technically you could, but so, so whenever you do ABM, it's always focused on large enterprises, like very, very large things. Those take time and those take the longest time. And the more industry like complexity there is, like say you want to close a bank, for instance, right? Something similar to that. Well, then you can add even more complexity because like procurement and security and all this kind of jazz, it takes forever. So, so, and so typically when you see a sales cycle, even in an ABM, like a, from let's say we started today and we want to close Goldman Sachs well and without ABM it would take 18 months maybe we can get it down to six or 12 months right that's still a lot of time (laughs) yeah like I need to allocate budget for 12 months of not seeing that one customer come in the door so either way how you slice and dice it it's a higher high risk high reward kind of play yeah okay so then you get to the ideal scenario list of these are the accounts and let's just for exemplary purposes, go with like these three accounts, right? Yes. So when you set up that uh, ABM campaign and, you know, the ads, the content, everything for it, how much personalization would you say is a minimal requirement for it to be effective? Hmm. So I have a right answer and a Casper answer. So, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you both. Uh, I think the right answer is you want to personalize as much as possible. So the more you can personalize, the better. So if you can personalize your ads, if you can personalize your landing page, uh, that's a pretty good starting point. Uh, the Casper answer is just get started. <laughs> uh, um, and that's, that's what with that I mean is like, okay, sometimes um, you just want to get on the radar in front of, let's say you're trying to close Carlsberg again. Well, it takes time to produce a really cool Carlsberg ad. And don't get me wrong, you want to do that. But sometimes... Getting on the radar just immediately with some of the other generic stuff, you maybe then you maybe tune it slightly, just quickly, quick and dirty. That's fine, actually. That's that gets you started. And then once you started, like okay, maybe woo, how do we really nail them? Then you can do that. Um, so so sometimes I'm actually advocating for just like hey, let's just launch. We know who we're targeting. We know what we're rally props we're trying to hit them with. Let's do that. Then in week two, three, four, because it takes time to produce this content, we'll produce the content that really gets them in. Um, actually, I advocate for a lot for that sometimes. Uh, sometimes there were bigger resources, bigger budgets, all these kind of things. It, it might be a little bit different, but but especially like when you're like in a SaaS or something, 50 to 300 employees, get it, get it out the door. That's way more important than personalizing, to be completely honest. Yes. And I think the industry part for me is also always a good part to get started. So rather focusing specifically on what are the value propositions and the benefits of these target accounts, like within that or for that specific industry can be already such a like good entry point um, to stay top of mind instead of going specifically for one brand and incorporating like that brand only, because that is already like, a, okay, you have specific value props for these accounts or for their specific problems. And then you can also scale it more, as you said in your example, you know, targeting not only Carlsberg, but already like uh, Tuborg, Heineken, um, whatever. 
and then you already start with uh, with several accounts within an industry, right? And then you can scale it from there. I think also, you know, in the B2B SaaS space, something at least when it goes like uh, further down the buyer's journey or is uh, further into the buyer's journey, um, this point of helping these accounts or the buyers there to um, to see themselves in the product because obviously it's virtual products. They might not engage with the product yet. So if somehow you can incorporate in a demo or in images, how would this look like for this company, right? So they can actually see the use case for it with their branding. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, but I, I, I totally agree. Like, um, you're not wrong. <laughs> okay. So we already talked about, or you already talked about kind of the demand on part versus, versus ABM part. So, Let's say you already have, um, as anybody should, right, a variety of well-running demand gen campaigns. Yeah. And then you start adding in this ABM motion. How do you make sure they don't compete with each other and, you know, they actually support each other? So saying you're, for example, not targeting the same buyers in, in these campaigns. Well, the, the easy part is just to exclude them from your demand gen parts, right? But I think you you got to be careful with doing that stuff, like because it's not. I think it's also important to say like it's like this is not a it's not like a math equation. Like it's not like there's two two lines under the results. Like this is the only way to do it. This is what we know exactly what will work with these guys. Like we have an idea, we have a theory. But sometimes like maybe your demand gen webinar podcast sharing that we're doing here was actually the thing that worked, and we don't know. So, so I gotta, but, but the easy way is just to exclude them. So like you typically like, like a lot of these plays are typically on LinkedIn, right? Like you can do other channels, like Facebook is fine. It's a little bit more tricky, but you can do it too. But, but, but a lot of the, the plays typically like it comes to distribution is on LinkedIn. So, so here it's actually really easy. Like you just take the list, you like decided, Hey, where this is the ones we're focusing on the ABM Cosberg wannabes. Cool. Okay. There's 50 breweries. Well, you put that list and exclude them and all, all, all the other stuff you're doing. But but um, you want to make sure, like, I think the important part about ABM is you want to have a pretty high frequency. So you want to make sure that, because, like, the audience is pretty small. So you want to have a high frequency of diversified content that's personalized. That's a hard thing to do. So if you can't do that with the stuff you already have at hand from ABM, support it with your dimension. Once you get to the point where you're like, okay, now the whole frequency is supported, like, and when I say frequency, we're like within seven days, they need to see you at least three, four times, just to give you an idea. And and within, uh, I think usually around, I go like uh, I think it's, uh, 30 days, I say like uh, every uh, around 10, 10 plus times at least. And within 90 days, they have to see you upwards of to, to get her close to or 28 times or something similar to that. I think those are the numbers that usually run. So, so there's a lot of frequency that needs to be done, right? And those are have to be different types of content stuff. So in the beginning, just let it be supported by a dimension. But but uh, as you move forward, like uh, you can always exclude the, the ones you're targeting. Yes, and I think a point in that is also, I mean, obviously nothing you communicate in your ABM ads should be completely different from what you're communicating normally, right? I mean, if your value props for an ABM campaign are completely different than what you're like <laughs> communicating in your demand ads, and there's already a gap that shouldn't that shouldn't exist, right? So even yeah. if they end up seeing your general demand on ads, um, that is also just general uh, awareness and recognition. And exactly. also, sadly enough, uh, normal buyers don't consume ads as we marketers do, right? So it's also no, not exactly. like they they remember, oh, <laughs> in that ad they communicated this and now they're communicating that. How weird. 
Exactly. They, they're not going to be like, ooh, I, I can feel the difference here or something like that. <laughs> no, they have no clue, right? Like, uh, so, so, so it's not really hurting you that much. Like, don't, I wouldn't worry too much about these kind of things. It's like, it's a classic marketeer thing to worry about these things. It's not that important, actually. Like, um, to be honest, I think fundamentally you just have to understand it's about impacting as many stakeholders within the account you're trying to win as possible. And whatever that takes, I'm game. Uh, so, uh, and this stuff takes time. And that's also why, like, when you talk about metrics for ABM, it's a hard thing. Like, ABM is actually one of the hardest things to track. Right? Because you, like, you can't measure, uh, it's hard to measure pipeline. Like, it's like, maybe, like, sometimes you can have multiple opportunities within an account. That's typically what happens, right? But sometimes you might just have one opportunity. <laughs> like, so it's like, okay, I have this one opportunity. Is it, has it happened yet? Is it progressing? And when it closed one, well, that might be 12 months down the line, 18 months down the line. So what are the metrics you look at? Well, how many like account stakeholders are involved? Like how many, how, how's the engagement on the account? And those things are like, you know, not fluffy, but those are a little bit harder to track. You need proper systems in place, right? Uh, so, so ABM is also uh, one of the hardest things to track uh, when it comes to, to metrics in general. Uh, doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but just means, um, yeah, it's a different game. I think for testing, what I've also done previously is basically first started ABM when a deal was already in the pipeline. So basically our strategic sales team contacted me and said like, okay, we are talking to like uh, this uh, big customer or client. Like, can you run ads targeting the stakeholder group? So, you know, they really like, while they're already in conversation with us and, you know, we're having all of these sales meetings. So we pop up, we stay top of mind and they really get this image. Okay. Yeah. They are really big because I see them everywhere right now. Um, which of course it's it's also difficult proof of concept, but uh, I mean it 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 can't hurt. Um, also on the metrics tracking thing, of course, then there is the question of okay, who won uh, won the deal if it closes, and what was the marketing investment in it? But if you have budget for it, I think it's a it's a good way to kind of start that as well and build up data. Yeah, and, and and this is the whole reason I said in the beginning, like uh, it has to like your lifetime value has to be extremely high. Like uh, it's like. So you have to, like, if you, let's say you earn 500,000 euros a lifetime value on a client, well, you could easily spend 100,000 to get that client, but that's okay. That's a one to five ratio. That's a pretty good one. It might even be higher, right? So that's okay. But, but you have to be in that ballpark, right? Like, uh, especially when you, like, we deal with these enterprise clients, like, those are expensive to land and uh, you have to be willing to spend a buck or two. So, yeah. yeah. I think one of the metrics I always look at, and uh, it's a little bit harder when it's one-to-one, -one, so that's almost impossible, but but one of the metrics I look at when I look at ABM and pipelines in general is something called sales velocity. So uh, I don't know if you've used that before, but but it's just for people who don't know what it is. Essentially, you take like, you multiply the number of sales opportunities, you have your sales opportunities in your pipeline, then you multiply that by the average deal size or average customer lifetime value, which is a little bit more relevant in ABM. Multiply that by your win rate, and then at the end of the, it all, you divide it by the like the result by the length of your sales cycle, and that gives you a number that indicates how fast something is traveling through your pipeline. Uh, so essentially, like how quickly does your sales team close the deal and generate revenue? And that's a really good way to look at ABM because, like, at the end of the day, sometimes like we already had Goldman Sachs in the pipeline, so. How do we measure if this is working? Like the example you just mentioned, like how do you actually measure if this is working? Well, one of the things you could look at is how quickly does the deals you take in move through the pipeline? 
And that's that's where ABM is really powerful. That's where you can really look at uh, ABM impacting because it's not like in, in this case the one you explained there. It might not be like you're not generating new opportunities because the opportunity already exists, right? So here you're, you're definitely looking at okay, the sales cycle has to be short. And sales velocity is a good way to look at that overall. Yeah, or the or the win rate uh, increasing for whenever that happens, yes. which already proves the case for for ABM, right? And then definitely. that might set in motion that you can actually start more of ABM that starts from the, from the unaware phase, like, you know, pushing that brand awareness throughout the entire thing. Yes, exactly. So let's say, okay, you did a few tests, you have uh, ABM campaigns started. Um, they uh, seem impactful. So you want to scale this up. Yes. How do you, how do you scale ABM, uh, motions and activities? in a sustainable way? That's a great question. And it's not an easy one to answer. So I think um, there's there's two things to think about, right? So can you scale within the segment you've chosen? And can, are there other segments to choose? So so within the segment you've chosen, let's say you, uh, can you scale it within that? If there's like, let's say you have one to few approach where you're targeting 10 companies. Well, can you target more than 10 companies? Are there other companies within that have the same criteria that could you also target? That's the, I won't say the easy, but that's the easy route, right? And then you can, so that's one way. So that's scaling like on the size of the segment. Uh, that's definitely doable. Um, you got to still keep a lot of the criteria the same. So in terms of personalization and all these kind of things, but but that's definitely doable. Then there's the other aspect of it for me, which is slightly more interesting, which is a little bit more harder to calculate is that you can scale your efforts, right? You can scale stuff like, okay, it seems like there's traction on these value props towards the segment. It's moving the right needle. Should we start sending them gifts? Should we make an event just for them? Like, should we send them letters? Should we do things that are not, again, easily trackable, but definitely might impact, right? And I believe you should. Uh, and that's the whole idea behind Ambient. But those things, again, coming back to the whole thing, it's like really hard to track. So so I, I like to do it this way that I like to prove traction just digitally first, like to say, Hey, can we can we get the these does this value prop resonate with them? Is is our product, is our offering even interesting to these people? If it is, then I'm on board with scaling our efforts within that. And I think that's the two approaches you're kind of looking at. Yeah. So when it comes to scaling. And I guess in, like you could also like once you go deeper on a segment and you can also find a new segment, right? Yeah. I, I like um the point you just made with uh, scaling is not only about kind of increasing the number of uh, accounts you target, but also actually in the activities, how much scale and how much more personalization can we do? How much yeah. more kind of in depth is the, the value we want to give to them, right? Exactly. Okay, so now we talked a lot about ABM. So yeah. where does ABM stand in relation to ABS? So you know, it's it's one thing I think, or it can be one thing in companies to to target accounts on the marketing side and focus on the accounts. But where should that stand in relation to to sales and their activities? I th I think uh, for me those things are the same. Uh, I know this sounds a little bit, uh, uh, but but for me, account based marketing is a thing you do with sales at all times. So so for me, it's like it's one of the same side, same as same side of the coin. If you that's what you say. 
So, uh, so for me, for me, it's essentially the same. That's least how I understand ABS. Uh, but um, so, so um, whenever I design ABM programs and we do ABM, I always make sure we have like we, I call, call it divide and conquer. So we essentially divide out tasks that sales are responsible, that marketing responsible, and then there's some unified things you're responsible for. That means weekly catch-ups. That means aligning on like all the stuff. And sales teams like it's it's kind of simple. It's just like saying, hey guys, we're going to be focusing on these. You guys need to be focusing on the same. Okay, great. These are the things we're going to go to market with, like value props, content, all this kind of stuff. You should use these things. Okay, cool. We'll do that. And then the sales, what they really need to do is like loop in feedback. Make sure like, hey, okay, we've tried this value prop, guys. There, it's not really resonating. Like it's not getting through. Okay, cool. Back and forth. That's why. You, so you set up weekly catch-ups. You have like maybe specific Slack channels, stuff like that. Uh, so, so for me, it's like ABM is never done without sales. I think that's also important to say if you're thinking about ABM in general, is like ABM is also like it's I, I I don't think I've ever done ABM and I don't think I ever will do ABM without a sales team. Like yeah. one of the requirements for doing account-based marketing is to have a sales team. You gotta have a sales team. Uh so so working together with them is, is really important here. Uh it's always is, but ABM will never work if you don't have marketing and sales alignment at a very high level. A hundred percent, but I also think that it's important, especially when you start ABM, to align with the sales team on how should the buyer's journey for these accounts maybe differ from what normally happens. So saying, for yeah. example, which, of course, in a dimension um, aspect shouldn't be the case, but if sales typically gets handed over leads that, I don't know, downloaded a piece of uh, of content and they, you know, run for it, then for an ABM motion, you should set probably like that shouldn't happen because they're running through the ABM loop. So we want to first contact them or you should first contact them when either there is a specific amount of stakeholders within that account that has been uh, reached or has engaged with the website or there should be yeah. certain markers and already talking when starting this up with sales about, okay, how do we want to approach this and how do we see or, you know, assume it's going to be most impactful. Absolutely. And I totally agree with that. But I, I, for me, that doesn't differ too much from like classic lead scoring a little bit to, to an extent, right? It's account scoring a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, I, but I totally agree. Okay, cool. Any last remarks on, uh, on ABM words of wisdom? <laughs> uh, it's it's not something you should take lightly, if that makes sense. Like um, it, it, it's a big investment. It requires a lot of resources, and you should dedicate time to it. As an example, at Templify, we had we had a person, uh, Emma, back in the day. Shout out to Emma, but um, she was uh, hired just to do ABM. Like uh, she was our account based marketing manager, right? And we weren't a, that big a team. I think we were when she joined, we were like six, seven people or something. So we were, it was like quite early on an investment we needed to make. And it was a good investment. She did amazing, right? Uh, but but point being is like, it just shows it's not something you can say, hey, uh, you know, Casper, uh, can you just like run an ABM program on the side? Like keep doing all the other stuff you're doing and also run an ABM program. That's not that's not going to work. Like not going to be good at least. That's what we actually did initially just to prove it. I, I did ABM on the side, but but uh, we quickly discovered that's not that's not super fruitful, right? So so I think the point is like uh, ABM is a big investment and you make got to make sure it's like the right investment. Uh so, um, but, but beyond that, uh, go for it. Like, uh, absolutely. But you got to check, check the boxes, make sure you check the boxes in terms of, do you have, like, does your product fit for an ABM strategy? Like, I think it's super important. And I think it's important to say that things can coexist, like demand generation, demand capture, thought leadership, and account-based marketing. That's usually how I bracket 
like B2B marketing strategies. All four can technically coexist in the same company. Within. So it, it doesn't mean to have a be an either or. Uh, it doesn't have to be that way. But but you just have to make sure you allocate a core resources like according. I think that's important. And then lastly, do this with sales. Like uh, the sales alignment is a critical piece of this. Like uh, especially on ABM. Like it's always important, but especially on ABM. It's probably the strategy where you need the most sales alignment for it to work, in my opinion. Yeah, and I would add in that I um, don't think that ABM is an activity to get to sales and marketing alignment. For me, it's the other way around. Oh, it needs yeah. good sales and marketing alignment yeah. to start with ABM. But also just adding in on what you just said. Um, yeah, I think expectation management with ABM is incredibly important. You're yeah. not going to see fast results. As you have also said, it's a long game. So everybody needs to be very well aware of what can you expect from it and you're going to see results, but they're not going to happen tomorrow. So you shouldn't start an ABM motion hoping, you know, you prove the case by next week. But at the same time, I also think a lot of times when you read on LinkedIn about ABM, you know, there's always like you need all of these tools and you need this. And it can easily seem like this super massive motion. And, oh, my God, we need so many things to get started. Well, you can find exactly your gap on, okay, how much are we willing to give and do at this point to get started? Mm -hmm. So I also just want to take a bit of the fear away of getting started with ABM because I think yeah, sometimes yeah. it can seem very, uh, very scary and very, like, as you say, of course, it's, it's resource heavy and it requires work if you want to do it well, but it also doesn't need as much as maybe it sometimes seems. Yeah, and I think it's more like when I say resource heavy, like it requires a lot, but it also requires patience, right? Like, uh, like it's just like you said it yourself, it's going to take time. So if you can't allocate time and resources for it for the next six months at least, well, you shouldn't do it. Like, uh, that's it. Like, so take, and it doesn't mean like uh, it's a big investment, but it just means like, okay, you really need to say, can we dedicate time and can we allocate money to this for six months without seeing much? Yeah. Uh, you will see some results, but it's not going to be like, most likely not going to be major, right? Like that's what happens after six months. Sometimes faster, of course, but but, but generally speaking. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thanks so much uh, for sharing your insights. And uh, yeah. shout out to Marketing Corner. Uh, <laughs> you have your own, uh, you have your own uh, great podcast on B two B marketing. So uh, give it a listen, guys. <laughs> thanks, 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 uh, Julian. Thanks for having me on. It was awesome. I love talking ABM. So. <laughs>